You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello, world. How are you doing? I am doing great. Welcome to Art of the Matter Live. We are here this beautiful Monday evening, May 30th, for episode nine. Can you believe it? We're at nine already. Art of the Matter is the show by, for, and about artists that seeks to highlight the state of arts and culture, given where we are today in the world. I am your host, T-Dub. Thank you again for being here and joining us on this live show. We're going to have a really dope show tonight. We got a couple really, really great guests. I'm super excited to have them in the studio. Black Media Matters, Black Media Matters Studio. We are here, we are live, and we are doing it. Um, of course, you know, we got to get that, that wide right quick. So I'm on and go ahead and give them a little something, something. And uh, catch the drip. No waves today. I got my hat on, as you can see. But don't worry, we'll be good by the weekend. Um, yeah, shout out to Christina Martinez and Al Basir, you know, repping that diptych. Nice little lavender joint, you know, keeping it simple, keep it cute. As always, I like to look good and feel good and, you know, come with the good energy for you guys for these Monday shows for Art of the Matter. Absolutely. Okay. Now that we've done that, I want to let you know, you can like, share and comment this show. Please let people know your friends or our friends who are in the arts and culture that's going on right here in Seattle and abroad. Let them know what's going on. Let them know about Art of the Matter because we are trying to cover it all. Right. All right. Cool. All right. Now, we got that out of the way, let's get into some art news. Yes. So, of course, as you know, The House of Wolves by Angelina Villalobos is on view right now at BMC Gallery on Capitol Hill. Um, the next opening for that will be June 9th, so I'm sure that you check that out while you get a chance. Um, coming up next, we have Holla Back to the Future, Moses' son, curated show. He's got an amazing lineup of artists that are going to be holding it down at Museum of Museums. The show opens June 3rd, so make sure that you are in the building for that. It's going to be incredible. And of course, we have Aramis Hamer opening up the Zodiac show. That'll be happening June 4th. Make sure you are there. Man, art, art in Seattle is definitely going up. It's really, really great to see everybody out here doing their thing, holding it down. And of course, if you're out in the streets, make sure that you're consuming some art that's going on right here in the Emerald City. All right. So I think we got all that out of the way. Um, nice intro. We're going to get into the show finally. Of course, we have the episode nine coming up a little bit later. But um, up next, after this break, I'm going to have the art homie, the man himself, Mr. Perry Paints, joining me right here live in the studio. Make sure you stay tuned. You are watching Art of the Matter. Everyone's invited to the prom. From the creators of the Book of Mormon, Elf, and the Drowsy Chaperone, The Prom is a musical comedy about big Broadway stars on a mission to change the world and the love they discover that unites them all. The Prom makes you believe in musical comedy again. So full of happiness that you think your heart is about to burst. Everyone deserves a chance to celebrate. On sale now. Tickets at fifthavenue.org. Hey guys, Lisa Gordon here, and before heading to Belize, Trey Holiday and I had to make sure we linked up with our good friends over at Market Street Shoes to, of course, grab a few things for the trip. From bags to socks, shoes, sunglasses, earrings, and more, before going on any trip, make sure you stop at Market Street Shoes. Trust me, you'll find just what you need to make your trip not only enjoyable, but fashionable. 
Yes, sir. Shout out to Truth for Proof holding it down on Tuesday nights. Make sure you tune in to his show. But of course, we are here this evening uh, for Art of the Matter, episode nine live show. But before we get into this episode, I wanted to tap in with my homeboy. Been killing the game with the art scene and the music scene. So I had to sit him down in the studio and get to know what's going on in his world. We got Mr. Perry Paints with us. How you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm doing great. Doing great. Working a lot. Yes, sir. But that's a good thing. That's always you know? <laughs> a good thing. And I've been seeing, of course, you know, we down with the VMC crew. So Hell yeah. And I've been seeing what you've been having going on. I definitely want to tap in with you and see, of course, like, you know, that you've moved recently to Las Vegas. Yep. But you're Las still Vegas. doing a lot of work here as well. So how's oh, that yeah. transition been for you? Uh, it's been great. It's actually been really, really cool. I make probably like 65% of my income still here. Wow. But it's so much cheaper living in Vegas right. and it's so much accessible to L.A. and like Texas and even Phoenix. So it's like it's a great, it's a great pool for me. Definitely. And it keeps me like still engaged in the community here. You know, Absolutely. I could definitely if I would have moved, I could see that losing that essence really fast. So right, right, right. It's kept me grounded. So it's been cool. That's what's up, man. And you're from Tacoma, right? Yeah. yeah. Spanaway, technically. But okay. yeah, I'm a Tacoma boy. You Remember know what I'm saying? Town, yeah, most yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, how would you say the art scene? Because I know you're doing some stuff down in Vegas as well with a few different collectives. How does the art scene differ from here in, in Vegas? Oh, man. Uh, the graffiti scene. Yeah. Uh, mural scene is pretty tight. Dope. I just got connected with this group called Graffiti Park. Yes. Las Vegas. Uh, they do a lot of stuff uh, for the community, like... Uh, painting murals for the elementaries and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I've done that already. Um, they have a whole little headquarters that they all meet and I uh, hand out different jobs and stuff like that. So it's really, really cool and connected there. That's but the music scene is kind of not existing. Not there. Much. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're going to change kinda, that though for me. Oh, yeah. Bit. I am on a mission. You know what I'm saying? I got some other friends that are also from Tacoma. We have a little hub now, like in the art district there. So we're already making noise. So oh, it's snap. Cool. They're like the Tacoma boys. You know, yeah. So. <laughs> there we go. That's exciting. That's what's up, man. Well, cool. So the folks who don't know about Perry Paints, this guy is not only a visual artist, but he also is a songwriter yeah. and a rapper holding it down behind the mic. And you, uh, you do the paintings live at your yeah. show sometimes. That is so <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, like, how did you, how did you come to like bring those two things together with your art? Um, so I would like be doing separate events. I was like in a group called Sleep Steady, okay, and we were like a punk rap kind of group. And I paint, you know, very like airy, sensual, soft, you know, black women stuff. So I, like, it was really hard to mix the two. Mm. But I would be live painting here, doing rap stuff here, right. And then when I started doing solo stuff, I just kind of had the idea of like just trying it and it just went over really, really well. And I just kept going on from there, you know, so it was it was really hard at first trying Mm -hmm. to mix both because a lot of people were telling me like trying to be a rapper and painter is not going to work. Right. Not going to work. You can pick one of the you're already absurd trying to be an artist, you know, it's already absurd trying to be a rapper. But yeah, it was just time to combine the two and it's worked fucking well. That's real. Yeah. And that's definitely we'll interesting. Curse on here? I should ask you that. What's up? We love to curse on here? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. We, we I just make sure because I'll be going crazy sometimes. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. It's live, baby. We out here. Um, but you bring up an interesting point of like people having negative things to say about us trying to combine yeah. the hats. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think about, especially our generation, we have to wear a lot of hats just to survive yep. out here. Hell you got to have yeah. the nine to five as well as your art got to be, you know, booming. Yep. You got to hustle. You got to grind. We got the grind yeah. culture. So, and if you just got a nine to five, sometimes you need several of those, you know, right. like everyone's kind of got to hustle now. Yeah. But I think like bringing, bringing the different art forms together is definitely a very revolutionary thing, especially doing them at the same time. Like you're on the mic and painting at yeah, the same it's, time. It's been 
been fun. I don't know who else is doing that, but I think like, especially when it comes to our generation with the creativity, we got to find new ways to, you know, manage that time. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think the way that you're doing it is super, super dope. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, if you have any hopes for like what you're doing with your art, what is like, what is the hope that you have for Ooh, the future? Like, where do you, where do you see, where do you see uh, painting and rapping at the same time going for you? That's a really good question. Um, in all honesty, me bringing from Spanaway, my own real goal was to be like a bridge for other kids from where I'm from to have it. Cause like, there's no industry and none of that stuff there. And like, if it wasn't for the internet and right. being savvy on that, I would have never had this life, you mm. know, and even though it was possible. Like, I didn't know my life was possible until I lived my life. You know, mm. it's like, oh shit, you can do this. All right. right, dope. So like, that's my main goal with that. Mm -hmm. But with the painting and rapping, I've also have like this goal of changing the, uh, the stigma of being a rapper. Right. Because I've realized that too more of like, when I mentioned that I'm a fine artist, I get more of like this, he's an intelligent mm -hmm. black dude. Mm -hmm. Then when I rap, it's more of like, every black dude kind of do that. Thing, right, you know? right, right, right. It's like, it takes the same amount of intelligence and creativity to do both. Right. So that's why I'm happy that like, people get to see that. And Absolutely. it's like, oh shit, like, you could be a rapper and really be on some Picasso stuff, you know? Right. And just not have to just rap about owning it. You could be that. So. Right. Those are my two main goals. That's dope. And you're definitely setting the example, I think. Because I don't you, know, like, you. do you know of any other artists that are doing what you do? I don't. I yeah. don't. Sometimes I get a little arrogant and be talking a lot <laughs> <laughs> about that. But I take pride in that. You know, and it's it's hard. And it's a blessing, though. So, yeah, definitely blessed to be able to do it. on, Be respected on both fields. Because it could be a gimmick. And that's the part I hold cherished to me is, like, I could be just a painter and be just as much respected. I could be just a rapper and be as respected. It's like not a crutch for either or. Mm -hmm. so, you know. And you get love from both sides. Oh, yeah. And it's great. It's That's great. <laughs> Very cool. I always notice like on your Instagram, you're always bigging up the youth. And you actually just did a, something at, at Rainier Beach High School, correct? Yep. Yeah. And you yeah. always like post like your nieces and stuff like that. And yeah. I absolutely love that. And it's clear that, you know, the youth are, are, are a big important part of like what you do and how you represent. Yeah, um, definitely. It's like that's. Well, a lot of our traumas, our real personalities, all that stuff comes from that part. So like it was big on me. It said even just being a creative, needing to have that outlet and support. Like I come right. from a very, very dysfunctional family. Like mm. luckily though, I did have sprinkles of the support to do the creative stuff. Right. So I just want to say just keep being that fuel for kids to see that. Like and it's kids are so cool. It's the pure essence and everything, the truthfulness. Like, right. They're hilarious. It's great. And it keeps me young. You know what I mean, what do y'all listen to? What y'all doing? It's fun. You know? Yeah, that's definitely real. Like, I think it's definitely important, especially for our generation. I'm 35. So around that time, you know, I don't have a lot of kids in my life. Yeah. So you have to put in that little extra effort to make sure that you're interfacing with the different generations. Exactly. And, you know, being able to do that through art is always super, super fun. Yeah. So, you know, I commend you for that as thank, well. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if I want kids myself yet. Right, I'm right, right. <laughs> you, you're doing good with the uncle duty, though. Yeah, most definitely. I love uncle duty. I'm, I'm a team on all day too yes sir i appreciate that very cool well yeah man like what else do you got coming up nowadays oh man so i'm about to put out an album word i have been sitting on this album for a long time oh, uh, people have been on me about it <laughs> so i got the first single coming out june 10th word life of the party okay like scope over there shot it you know what i'm saying my homie blake anthony's in it Word. Uh, Blugs direct i mean produced it word yeah, i'm really really excited it's a very tacoma album all the features besides one are all Tacoma artists. Okay. Um, the album will be out in probably mid-July, in July. Um, it's really stoner, 
kind of old 70s 80s vibes it's really oh, really man. fun it's gonna be dope and then uh got a release party for it july 30th at lakewood gardens okay lakewood it's yep. beautiful it's gonna be cool my birthday's on the 31st okay it's my 33rd birthday my Mark third album you know okay. what i mean gonna do it numerology First, in solo effect. show we hit it no. yeah those are two things i'm really working on and uh i got an album my second like studio studio album it's called Black Boy Joy. I've been chiseling away at that for like two years now, but it's, that's my baby. That's right. my baby. <laughs> okay. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Remind me of those dates one more time. You said single coming out. Single, June 10th. June 10th. Our show release day, July 3rd. Yeah. Boom. Perry Paints, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead and give the folks um, some info where they can find you right over here. Perrypaints.com. You know what I'm saying? Perry Porter on Twitter, Perry Paints on Instagram, Perry Porter on Spotify. We're back. Hey. Guess what? This is live TV, you guys. You know, things happen, but we roll with punches because we are creative. Okay. Yes, we do. And before we were rudely interrupted, Mr. Perry Paints here was letting us yeah. know where, where we can find him on the socials and whatnots. Yeah, so it's perrypaints.com, Perry Paints Instagram, Perry Porter on Spotify, any music stuff, Perry Porter Twitter. Beautiful. Yeah, Thank you so much, Perry, yeah. for joining us in the studio. Appreciate you, T. This is always good to see you back in town. I know you're holding yeah, it down yeah. the Vegas tip, but you right here with us. So yeah, baby. All good. Do, all love. Do, yeah. Most yeah. definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> all right. Well, we're about to take another quick little break. And when we come back, we have featured artist Barbara Earl Thomas in the studio with us right now. We're about to get into this episode, episode nine. You are watching Art of the Matter. These hands bear fruit and witness through muscle and memory to that which cannot be taught. Passing down the blueprint of flowers and wringing waters from the root, bringing nourishment to the masses. There is no grade that can attain the heat that we sustain. path unclear to most, and still we press on. We flip survival into revival again and again. Be reminded of what you come from, for life is the foundation of every generation. All right, welcome back, folks, to Art of the Matter, Episode 9 live show. We are here at the Converge Media Studio, and I have the esteemed honor of being joined by our featured artist, Miss Barbara Earl Thomas. How are you? I'm excellent. Good. Excellent. Yeah, why not? Yeah, right? You know, what's the alternative? Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know if this is an overshare, but it took a little took a little convincing to get you down in the studio today. <laughs> but I'm very, very glad that you're here. Um, and of course, we're about to get into episode nine, which features Barbara. And I titled this episode, I like to talk about, I'll get a subtitle all of the episodes. Mm -hmm. And I subtitled this episode, The Art of Making, mm -hmm. because that to me is what resonated the most um, from our conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being an artist, we have these ideas and we talk about this in the show. We'll get to that in a second. We have these ideas about what art is and how we fit in the box of art. And you kind of flipped my mind on the whole thing of being like, well, I'm a maker. I make things. You know what I mean? Can you tell us a little bit about the difference for you? Well, I, I think that um, the way I approach art and the way I approach the world is like there's a problem to solve. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I look at the problem, whether it's like, how do I want to make this space into something that I've transformed? That's a problem. So I'm going to solve it with some material, Mm. some aspect of um, my vision and how can I make that happen? Mm -hmm. I'm always going for the simplest solution first. Right. And always, normally that works pretty well. I think people overcomplicate things and I find a lot of elegance and simplicity. And so I also, the reason I call myself a maker is because it's the nature of the problem that tells me what material I should use. Mm. So if it's a story, maybe I use words. Right. If it's something that's more, that needs sort of a visual pictorial, then I'll use a visual image. Mm -hmm. If there's something that requires both, I put them together. And if there's something I don't know how to do, I go find people that know how to do it. And I like to surround myself with, I like to say people that are just a little bit smarter than me. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of um, energy to make sure you're staying on your your game when you know you're surrounded with people that might be just a little bit smarter than you in something that you need to have done. Absolutely. that's what I do. And then I just make, then I solve, I take things apart. I make mistakes mm-hmm. because if you're not willing to make a mistake, you're not going to get anywhere. Right. That means you're just doing what you already know how to do. Exactly. So um, that's, that's how you make. That's how you make. Mm-hmm. And that like, if you think about it that way, it's just like, why didn't I think about that? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But it's like, I, mean, I would imagine that it takes, you know, some time and, you know, some experience, of course, to get to a place where, you know, you feel comfortable with flipping big things on their head. Yeah. And also you're making relationships and part of making the relationship, I get to learn what the people I bring into the studio know how to do. Mm -hmm. And then what I do, it's like I said, I think we talked about how, like if somebody in New York, when dance was before all the internet and all that, if a step happened in New York, Mm -hmm. someone would see it. And then they take it and all of a sudden it end up in Atlanta. Right. Then it would leave there and then it would end up in the Midwest and it would leave there. And, you know, by the time I got to Seattle, you might not be able to re- recognize it, right. but it did travel. It traveled. And that whole idea is I'll see someone in the studio doing something like, oh, I like that move and I'll pick that move up and then they'll pick up my move. And it becomes sort of an amalgam mm. of all of our moves together. Yeah. And I have... I work with a wide range of people. My cutters have been between 16 years old and 75. So um, it's not about, you know, what subject they bring. It's whether or not they bring a hand and eye and open willingness to just jump in. Mm -hmm. And we make. And we make. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, You talk about the wide range of people that you have that kind of help you with your with your studio projects from six to seven to 71. Mm is there a like difference for you in the way in which you guys communicate? Like, do you find that you have to um, be a little more hands-on with the younger people or is there, is there a difference? I don't, that's a good question. You know, I, I don't, I don't think like that. Yeah. i I give everybody the same tool, give right. them a knife. Ooh. Yeah. People with knives. <laughs> and I, I start to make a move and then I just say, you just do the move I do. And Mm -hmm. invariably um, their move will resemble what I've done, but it will be with their own mark. Right. 
um, their own sort of spirit. It's like handwriting. And you start to see what people are capable of and you go toward that capability. Mm -hmm. So it's not about how old they are, how, um, whether or not they're an artist or not, it's the capability that they're bringing to you and their willingness to risk. And the first question most new people in the studio ask is like, well, what happens when I, if I make a mistake? Right. I said, well, it's not if, it's when. Mm. And then we'll just deal with it. But your job is to try as hard as you can and um, be present. And then if something happens that appears to be not regular, it might not even be a mistake. It might mm -hmm. be an opportunity. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Very real. That is, if this is any indication into what this episode will be like, you guys, I am so, so excited for us to get into this. Brady and I got to sit down with Barbara Earl Thomas at her studio and talk for hours about all things art, pandemic, the future, all of it. And this episode is really, really great. So before we get into it, you haven't seen it yet. No. So do you have any, do you have any last words <laughs> before we get into this episode? <laughs> No last words. I mean, you know, who knows when you're going to have your last word? Right. My, who knows? So no last words. Beautiful. All right. And on that note, we're going to get into episode nine of Art of the Matter featuring Barbara Earl Thomas. To work. Yeah. That's different from thinking about working. Right. That's different from reading about working. Okay. It's like you have to work. Yeah. And there's the only way you're moving your own needle ahead is by making. And also work to the point where you push yourself past the last success you've had. Mm -hmm. Don't limit your curiosity right. to whether it's just black people that are making things, who's making stuff? Right. And what about that stuff looks interesting? Yeah. And how can you use whatever that move is over here? Right. Can you do use that? Yeah. Don't limit yourself. here in Barbara Earl Thomas studio. Welcome. Yes. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having us here. And thank you for sitting down with me and being a part of Art of the Matter. Mm -hmm. um, I immensely appreciate your work and your position as a Seattle based artist. And I wanted to sit down with you and just kind of, you know, see what's going on. So you know, I read a little bit about your bio and how your family came here from the South. Mm -hmm. I have similar um, roots as well. Um, and so can you tell us about, you know, a little bit of your journey? I didn't come from a, you know, an arts world. You know, mm -hmm. my parents, we didn't have even, I don't know if we even had prints in our house. We mm -hmm. had things on the walls. We had, you know, maybe religious things on the wall. Not that they were really religious, but that was just what you had on the wall. Right. I always tell people I'm a maker right. because I make things a lot. You mm -hmm. know, my dad was always tearing the house down and trying to build it back up. My mother was a, a sewer and a, an embroiderer and a 
crocheter. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I was always making something and not just for the fact of making it, but because, okay, you need this thing for your bed, you make it. Mm -hmm. You need this skirt for the deal, you make it. Right. Solving problems mm -hmm. and solving whatever the issue at hand was, you did it. Right. And so I think that's where my impulse to make things has come from. And mm -hmm. I think my parents were inventive and resourceful in that way. And I, I guess I'm very grateful to them because I feel like, you know, had I not had that kind of impetus and push, I might not be thinking about my, my process here in the studio as a problem solving one. Thinking about, you know, the idea of being a maker versus an artist mm -hmm. and considering yourself a maker versus an artist, what ha kind of has been your introduction, I would say, to going from like embroidering a pillow or solving a problem to cutting paper? Well, I think, again, I think um, one of the things that I think that's been really important for me is because I didn't come from this hallowed place of art like you know art is this thing that you know geniuses make and all of that mm. i just knew that you know that if you had an imagination you could come up with lots of things and mm -hmm. i think it the the maker thing feels more comfortable yeah. to me and um and also i feel like the, the nomenclature and all of that is really for the facility of the conversation mm -hmm. so that we can talk about things and have a shared idea, but the way it, it, I wear it, or the mm -hmm. way you wear it, mm -hmm. is in your life, is not this, you know, you put it on, you take it off, you leave it on the couch, you, you know, you come in and you do a lot of failing, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. You need to fail a lot, not to the world necessarily, but to yourself. Yeah. You do it and you go like, that really didn't work. And that's what I think um, I'm trying, I try to hold on to in my studio. Mm -hmm. Now that they call it a practice, like I'm a doctor, but I guess. Um, <laughs> that was me so much. Your, your studio practice, I was like, what is that? When did that happen? Right. And um, <laughs> is that I will allow myself to take on something I haven't done before and um, be uncomfortable. What you don't want to lose is the desire to push your own limit mm -hmm. and to see if there's some other thing that you can do that might better express your idea. But going from one medium to the next, what you, I want to do is make sure that the medium I'm choosing is absolutely the best and most necessary for the thing I'm trying to say. Right. So if I can say it in paper cut, I'm not gonna do it in glass. Mm -hmm. I can do it in, if it glass is what is required, then that's what I'm gonna use. And um, that way I, I keep my, my channels clear. Right. That's really cool. That's definitely like an interesting concept for me in thinking of the artist nomenclature as 
almost like an empty room mm -hmm. of like everybody has these ideas about the facade of it. Mm -hmm. But once you kind of go in there, it's like, oh, I got to feel this joint, mm -hmm. you know, and in thinking about, you know, how you spoke of like, you know, traditional art as being these like paint sculpt design, very like linear, like it's boxes. Great. Yes. And, you know, as that's evolved, people are getting more into different types of mediums and canvases and things of that nature making sure that we're being mindful of the time we spend with those things and exactly. not just getting to a point where it's like, oh, this is a little uncomfortable, I'm gonna go to the next thing. You spoke a second ago about vocabulary and language, and I know that those are things that are very important to the, the art that you create. And, you know, and thinking of storytelling through visuals versus literal, mm -hmm. how, how do those things um, compare or contrast for you? Well, I think that whole idea of storytelling, it's really interesting because I know for a really long time in the art world, the high art world, the idea that you were using your art to tell a story was almost put you down here in the um, craft area. Mm, mm. The, the part where the uh, art is about pure idea, mm. uh, pure expression that's not de describing something somehow in the real world, that mm. is the highest considered as size mm -hmm. and then underneath that you know things sort of unfold you can um have you know sort of figurative and you have you know abstract and you have all sorts of things but i guess where i'm getting to it took me a long time to just say you know what i actually am a storyteller mm -hmm. and i've got to own that and no matter where it falls in the line of the hierarchy of art and its value in in, in the art world Right. This is what I do best. Right. The person who comes reads his or her own story into it mm. or makes up a story about it. People, I'll be, I'll be in the gallery and I'll be standing there and then people are like, this reminds me of, and I, and they'll tell me a whole story. Is that what you were thinking? I said, you know, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> sounds actually very good. Yes. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and when I did the show at Sam, the, Geography of Innocence, obviously I had a specific story, right. idea, you know, this whole idea that um, we look at children or we look at people of various races and we have these ideas based on sort of a mythological assignment, you know, the color. Yeah. Dark means this in religion and mythological terms. Mm. Um, uh, certain kinds of ways that people look. You're reading those things all the time because mm -hmm. you've been taught to read them, you know? You take that into the racial world and you have, you know, assignments to the children of, you know, the darker children are less smart, less cooperative, less whatever you think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you act that out and then what the child does is reflect that back. Right. It's not a... Um, debit or what do you call it a something that you have to feel ashamed of what you need to do is just be aware so that you can make that adjustment mm -hmm. so that you're not giving that child that message yeah and so that's what that show was kind of about and then how we read things and giving ourselves a chance to reinterpret mm -hmm. before we made an assumption in, in Geography of Innocence, you deal with some pretty heavy subject matter and a, obviously a very heavy time with everything that we had going on the past couple of years. Um, and thinking about 
children as as the subject and the the mapping of when they lose that innocence having done this show do you have any sort of like ruminations or answers to to those types of questions no i you know i i don't come with a lot of answers i come with a lot of thinking about things mm -hmm. and i come with um a lot of compassion for the human condition yeah and with the idea that mostly what one has to do if you were the object of that confusion that you want to show the subject of that confusion how to think about it mm. so that they're not needing someone over here to make an adjustment so your life can go on what i would like to know is like if this whole race thing was not an issue what would you be doing mm. What would you be using your brain for? Mm -hmm. And I think that in a way, that is what we're being robbed of mm. by being always wrapped up in having to catch up history and reintroduce how we are treated in history or reintroduce how the story is told. We're not out uh, using our great talents in other ways in the world that we right, might, right. you know. How has the pandemic treated you? The pandemic, the pandemic has just been, I remember just being here in the studio when we first heard about it and there was, there were four of us here mm -hmm. and we'd been cutting, cutting on the Sam show. I was, you know, we were all trying to figure out, is this going to be two weeks or a month? And, and, but that it was very contagious. I got so hysterical <laughs> that I started to vacuum. <laughs> I just ran around with my vacuum somehow thinking that my vacuum <laughs> was going to help. Was going to help. And so I was vacuuming with zest. And for whatever reason, I opened the refrigerator and just stuck the nozzle into the refrigerator oh. and there was a half a stick of butter and it went up into the, into the nozzle of the vacuum. Wow. And I thought, I think, I think this is the moment. Yeah. And so I think that that's a perfect example of just like, yeah. when in doubt, do something. Yeah. Even if the something has nothing to do with the problem is. Right. <laughs> you know who this is? I do not. Elizabeth's dad. <gasps> oh. Charles. Wait, there's a picture of her. Hold on, let me see. Remember that? Boom. And boom. Yes, I see it. Yeah. <laughs> I see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's August Wilson. Oh, Because yes. August and Charles were really good friends. Wow. So I wanted to do them both because it would be nice to have them be together yeah. in, in um, my show and also in the, in the Sound Transit project. Right, right. And, um, and because they both did titles that have um, movement in them, Charles does, has done uh, Middle Passage mm -hmm. and um, August uh, 
two of his plays, one called Jitney mm -hmm. and the other one, Two Trains Running. Mm -hmm. And there you are on the platform with yeah. trains. So I thought that would be really nice yeah. to bring them back together. And then it gives me kind of a way to get to think about them because they were both, they've both been really important in my life mm -hmm. and um, their work, it's been really important. So this is a way to think about them. So I'm not putting their names on them, I'm gonna put their book titles. So for people who know, right, they'll know. Right. People, that's what I like. I like the idea that there's a way for people to decode based on their level of, you know, their own knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know about those, those works, then it'll look different to you. If not, you'll go, ah, oh, that's a beautiful guy with that, those books and those mm -hmm. words seems so interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they mean, but they sound good. Yeah, so, maybe you'll go find well, out. And find out, maybe yeah. you will. In here with the design, I'll, I'll say, like I said to Peggy when she was here, I said, you know, these sunflowers are gonna be in the center. They're gonna be the center. And these sort of other flowers are gonna be on the edge. So that's the defining thing. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just move them around, put them in here so I could tell her to do something here mm -hmm. or to do something here or to leave that blank because I want that to be blank. Mm -hmm. And she just, they just do it. Yeah. And then, and sometimes it doesn't work. So I have to, if it doesn't work, then I do surgery. Yeah. Cut it up and take it out. And, and that's the fun. So part of what happens is this is my palette. Mm. All these, um, man, I am the print, biggest fan of radiance also. Print, so. uh, <laughs> printed, uh, hand printed color. Mm. And um, so, yeah, how do, you, how do you print these? I have my printer, Sheila Coppola, mm. and um, we've done a lot of prints together. So I told her, I said, what I want is just for you to do a split font, you know, roll it, mm -hmm. make it really thick and make it go out. And then I can cut this up and I can move it around. Right. So that the, um, the color appears, the light appears to move mm -hmm. from here to there, cut that out, and, you know, build it up. And so that I can say, I want the light source to come from here to go down like that. Right. So, and, and that's how I build my compositions and it may take four layers here because I'll put right. the orange underneath and I'll cut through so that the orange shows wow underneath and so it's um it's both intuitive mm -hmm. and very calculated mm -hmm. but you know again you're using color theory and you're using light and dark you know in terms of value systems and density of hue and um that's the part where I I'm happy that I know about it because I don't have to make it up every time I do it. Right, you know? right. Don't keep rediscovering the wheel. So, you know, um, it's, a, it's a process mm -hmm. and it's a meditation, but it's also a little bit of terrorizing of yourself mm -hmm. and a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Throwing it down and going, okay, can I do better today? Can I do, can I surprise myself? I feel like I want to make things that are much bigger than I am, and I can only do that if I have other people who work with me. Because right. it takes me, it would take me too long to have like cut that room all, any of those rooms all by myself. Right. And um, I learned more about collaborating. You know, working with glass because you can't do glass alone. You have to have 
someone helping you. And, yeah. and it's like theater. Mm-hmm. Tell yourself the truth, whatever your truth is. Mm-hmm. Tell yourself the truth so that you don't get yourself confused about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see what you're doing, you look at your work. Don't look out there at what people are saying about you. Right. Look here. Right. And you look in your life. That's how you know what you're doing. And even if you're getting great reviews and great all, you know, God, you're just so, you know, that is a byproduct mm-hmm. of the work. Mm-hmm. That is not the work itself. Right. You know, finding your own way of feeling good about your work and being successful. And, um, and like you said, the, the perfection thing, I think that that's what kills a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's both ends. It's either you're putting it out there and you think everything you do is perfect. Right. Jeez. <laughs> or you think that nothing you do is good enough so you can't put it out there. So you're just like, okay, it's not perfect. I have friends like that. I said, oh God, please. Yeah. I mean, what I don't, what doesn't get corrected here will get corrected or addressed in the next piece. Right. That makes me happy. And makes me happy when my friends come over and we're loud and we misbehave. Yes. <laughs> Love those times. Love yeah. those times. Well, again, thank you so thank much you for both. today. This has been incredible conversation and learning and sharing. Yeah. I and can't so. figure out how you're going to edit all this. this oh, is we, like, got, we got our ways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Definitely. You have your ways. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you, dear. All right. We are back. Art of the Matter Live, episode nine. We just witnessed the incomparable Miss Barbara Earl Thomas. Man, the episode was pretty great. How do you feel having seen that? Well, I think they did a really great edit. Yes. You know, the the, the art is in the cutting. Mm-hmm. That is true. That's yeah. true. Shout out to Brady McAtee on the filming and the edit. Appreciate you as always. Um, yeah. One of the things that really stood out to me in rewatching that episode is the fact that there aren't any screens in your studio. Screens? The computer screens. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of artists nowadays are kind of, we become, you know, kind of fixated on our digital media. And I feel like watching you cut paper and having, I've cut a few things myself in my day, you mm-hmm. know, and I know it's a very physically taxing uh, art form. Um, and I'm sure that there are people that'll be like, well, why don't you just do it digitally? And what do you, what do you say to that? Well, you know, it, it could be an age thing. I don't know. But I, I think as a maker, mm-hmm. I like to figure out where I can have my hand in it. Right. And it's not to say that I don't use, um, like I say, I, I have other people come in and help me. So their hands are kind of connected to my hand. Yeah. I actually will make things, they'll get digitized and then they'll go cut them in steel or cut them in um, some other form. Mm-hmm. But the original thing you know, where I'm thinking from hand, mind, eye to hand. Um, I like to see the hand in the work. Mm -hmm. And there's just something that for me gets lost. Yeah. And you mentioned about screens. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I I don't have my computer there, but I close it. Yep. And I turn my phone off. And even then I feel like a rhesus monkey because you're going (laughs) over you know, tapping it to see if somebody said something. Right. And so I put myself on a diet. I said, yes. you know, you can look at this at noon and you can look at this at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. 
And if somebody dies, there's nothing travels faster than bad news. Mm. Somebody that's going to find you and tell you. Right. So I just count on that. And because it interrupts my concentration mm -hmm. and, uh, and to me, the magic happens when you actually go into the work and you really concentrate and you don't have one ear over here and your eye on the screen. And I, I really have to fight it. I'm human. I, mm -hmm. I want people to, I don't know what it is, but you want it. Yeah. And um, so I just turn it off. Yeah. Kudos to that discipline. Cause I know self-included, I have a really hard time. Like, addicted to the scroll you know i think we all are in our own way shape or form so you know creating that discipline in your practice is definitely important so it's something to think about if you're an artist watching this and you're wondering why you have you know writer's block or you know painter's block whatever the case may be it might be your digital um intake so something mm -hmm. to think about <laughs> um and and looking at the episode i mean we talked about a lot and like mm -hmm. you said like a lot of stuff ended up on the cutting room floor um one of the things that we definitely um got to discuss was the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during during uh, 2020, during Corona, you were actually working on two major shows. Well, two shows and two large projects. Yeah. So how it didn't make the episode, sadly, but can you tell us like what that what that experience was like for you? Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, I what I woke up. It's 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 like being in you in the twilight zone. You wake up and Everything looks the same, mm -hmm. you know, your chair is where you left it, where, but nobody is where you left them. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty used to being by myself. So being by myself in the studio was not something astonishing to me. Right. But I think what was astonishing to me was um, not having the, um, not having at my disposal when I could invite someone in mm. and to know that they could come and it would not be a danger to them or to me. Right. Especially when we were trying to figure out, you know, where the danger was. Mm -hmm. So we just stopped everything. And I just would get up and I'd go to the studio. When I was in the studio by myself with the music on, um, but I was always aware of the silence, mm -hmm. you know, especially that silence, those first few months where, you know, planes weren't flying as much and you'd go outside and, you know, people were crossing the street when they'd see you. Because I told you, people were confused yeah. about what it meant very much to so. uh, isolate. So people got confused. They thought like, you know, I'm a com I'm going to isolate. So that means I can't even look at you. Right. <laughs> so you walk down the street, people go. Turn away. They turn away. I said, no, that's not how, no, no. Yeah. You can say hello. You can wave. You don't right. have to not look at me. That's not how the, the virus is spreading, it's spreading <laughs> by how you look at me. And right. if I, you look at me, trust me, I'm not going to run over and hug you. Right. But I, I also found that, you know, it's interesting because a lot of my, especially my younger friends, I realized they were really worried about me. Mm -hmm. They were worried, you know, like, okay, do you have food? Do, do you, do, should I bring you things? You know, are you okay? And it's like, they really didn't want me to die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I thought that was, I don't think I ever would have learned that another mm -hmm. way. They just mm -hmm. didn't want me to die. Right. And so they come and leave shit on my porch. And I said, you know, so now I got to lose weight because they brought so much stuff on my porch <laughs> and everything that we put out over there, they had copyright and then I ate it. Right. Right. And so Chieko would bring things to put on my porch and, you know, Peggy and my neighbors, everybody was just, Call me up. Are you okay? Have you eaten? Mm -hmm. <laughs> God. Yeah. I have eaten everything. Right, and right, right. Um, 
So, I mean, but it was, it, they wouldn't say it, mm-hmm. but I felt like that was the message underneath. You're in that, you're in that, um, the category of people for whom this could be a truly dangerous thing. Right. And we just want to make sure that you ain't dead. Right. And I just didn't know how to, you know, I just said, oh, okay. So I guess I got to be well because they're going to be so freaked out if I die. Right. <laughs> Hey, if that ain't, you know what I mean? Real talk. Like, we need you here. Like, yeah, we need and you. I was touching. And, yeah. you know, some, and I felt like I'd look out the window and people would come and they'd just stand out by the porch and they would just wave at me. Right. I mean. You know, it was, it was you know, even makes me kind of tearful just because yeah. it's what happened. Right, right. And people that I didn't even know that well would do it. I said, right. okay. Yeah. I mean, you get you get what you give. And I feel like you give a lot to the world over the career, you know, your art career. You've given a lot. And, you know, right through writing, lecturing, painting, sculpting, glass, whatever. Bossing people around. Bossing people around, you know, whatever the case may be. Like you've been here and you've been a fixture in a lot of people's lives. So I definitely want to say before we get out of here that I appreciate you Mm -hmm. as a person and you as an artist. Uh oh, you got a phone call? Who is it? I turned it off because it was in here, but I turned it on so that I could. Text Peggy. No worries. We live, baby. Um, Harriet, Miss Harriet Walden is actually in the comments and she um, just waited, uh, left the comment uh, speaking to your your ability to storytell. So I wanted to make sure I shout out Harriet Walden in the comments there. Hey, Harriet. Yeah. Can you tell me, because um, you talked about it a little bit in the episode, how the hierarchy of storytelling when it comes to art is, is notched a little lower if you think about the classical forms. Can you tell me um, the importance of storytelling for you in your work? Well, I think the storytelling is mostly important, not so much for my viewer necessarily as for me. Yeah. You know, I think that we all tell ourselves stories because quite frankly, life makes no sense. Right. It really makes no sense. The fact that, you know, you get up in the morning and you put your clothes on and you eat breakfast and then you make a story out of that. Right. You know, as though that was part of the arc, you know that is going to make a story. Then I got in my car and then I came down to the studio and then I met with Takai and then I met these two lovely young people here that somehow that was somehow a Mm storyline. It's not a storyline. It's nothing. It's like Mm. a bunch of separate, desperate kind of actions. Mm. And for us to make sense of our lives, we, we want to say that there's causal relationships like this and this and this happened so therefore this other thing happened. Right. You know, this, you know, I, we did, I walked, I talked, I was walking and I stumbled, I fell down, I hit my head. And then when I hit my head, I went to the doctor. Then they found out I had, you know, some sort of horrible disease and they would never have found that out had I not fallen down. So there's a story there. Right, right, right. Not really, but you know, <laughs> we make it so that we can make sense of the chaos mm. and we can make sense of, um, so we can calm ourselves and not be afraid mm-hmm. because if you have a story about your existence and, and that you put and you have a meaning in it, then you're not so afraid that you don't know what you're doing. And mostly we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty much, and I think you asked me about, you know, what, what I think in terms of when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. I'm pretty comfortable at sitting with ambiguity. Yeah. And, actually not knowing Mm -hmm. and understanding that I don't know. Yeah. And I um, think that that's part of like our dis-ease 
everybody wants to know like, well, we're mad about well, why we don't know what to do with the mask and how we don't, why don't we have uh, a way to tell everybody when it's going to end? Right. Because we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Right. And it's not because we know and we're keeping it from you. Right. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And people get mad about that. They do. And, you know, I, I think that it's, it's human, but um, sometimes when you hold the mystery and just sit with it and you realize you come out the other end that there isn't, it's, it's, there's not, it's not as scary as you think, mm-hmm. you know, just to not know. Yeah. And it's an honest answer. That's real. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely another one of the things that I take away from, you know, having the opportunity to sit with you in studio and, and, and film this episode. It's like being OK with that, being yeah. OK with the ambiguity and not coming to like honor me and make me into like the, the, the what do you call me? What do you call me? The ancestor or whatever that was. Right. <laughs> so we ain't doing that. No, we keep it real. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but um, I think that is definitely um, another thing that that I really appreciate about you and like being a person that I can look to for, you know, what, what things could look like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And being like, Hey, it's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you end up doing, whatever it looks like, you're going to be okay. And yeah. it's like, it's dope to have examples like that in the world. Well, I think that, um, and, and there are lots of examples. And also I tell people, I actually am very involved in the process, but also the thing that kind of sometimes rules my um, behavior is the outcome I want, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. The outcome, you do something, you piss me off. The outcome is that I want to still have you in my life. Mm -hmm. So that will decide, that will shape what my response to you will be. Mm -hmm. Because I want you in my life. So I'm not going to um, do or say something that's going to necessarily extinguish that. I might say something that allows us to have a discussion about whatever the issue is, mm-hmm. but my goal will never be to extinguish that, right. that connection. Yeah. And that takes awareness, folks. Practice your awareness in your life. Absolutely. Miss <laughs> Barbara Earl Thomas, thank you so much for joining us in the studio for the live episode. Well, I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you as much. And I thank everyone for all that cutting and all this coordination and yes. everyone here in the room with us. And you know what? Let's just... Get up and make it up. Make a story. Let's make a story. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then I'm coming back with some final thoughts. You're watching Art of the Matter. What's going on, folks? We are here at the end of the episode. I want to thank you again for joining us for the live show. I hope you enjoyed episode nine. Um, It's been a super honor and a pleasure to have Miss Barbara O. Thomas in the studio with us, as well as Perry Paints, you know, holding it down. Um, Before we get out of here, I want to make sure that you guys know that you can comment or contact us. Um, on social media. So make sure you contact, contact us um, on Instagram. Um, you can hit me up on Instagram at Tweet Up Customs. You can contact Art of the Matter directly if you have some ideas about artists we should feature, if you have some ideas about art news that we should feature um, and things of that nature. Make sure you get in touch with us here at Art of the Matter as well as Converge Media. Um, and finally, before we end this show, I got to let you know, of course, episode 10. Look who we are featuring, Miss Aramis Hamer is premiering June 13th. It's going to be an amazing June. We got a lot of stuff going on in June. I'll let you know about that on the next episode. You can catch me here every other Monday for Art of the Matter. You can also catch me every Friday for Feel Good Friday with Trey Holiday, where I'll give you the art news, let you know what's going on on the art scene and things of that nature. Um, But until then, 
want to preach. I want to say thank you again for joining us for the show. I appreciate you guys for tuning in and stay creative. I've been T-Dub. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.